Tonight on Fast, we are following a developing story on Biogen. The stock soaring late in the day and some takeover talks will break down what it means for investors and who could be next. Plus, we are going bargain hunting. Five stocks down double digits this year. Will they be the comeback kids of 2022? Find out in a good old game, a traded or faded. And later, out with the new and in with the old. We're breaking down the best bets in fintech as we get ready to ring in a new year. Welcome to Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Bono and Eisen, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Guy Adami will join us in just moments. We start out with another record day on Wall Street. The Dow and S&P closing at fresh all-time highs. For those of you keeping track at home, that is a 70th record close for the S&P just this year. With stocks sitting at all-time highs, we want to know what is the setup going into next year. We task each of our traders to come up with their most important charts into the mar- in the market heading into 2020. So let's get right to it. Pete, what is your chart? Well, I'm going to go with WTI, crude oil, in other words. So, and, and the reason I say that, Mel, is it really was left for dead at one point in time. It really was. As a matter of fact, it traded in negative. But, uh, but when you look at this and all the different implications that, that it actually has on the markets themselves and across the globe, I think it really is that important when you consider the fact that this is something that's a piece of obviously Russia and China and then you go to South America, you go to Africa, doesn't matter. It's all across the globe, including the U.S., Canada, you name it. And so because of that, I think when you look at that in the year that we had this past year of the 52 weeks, you could even add in the last month of 2020. I tell you what, this is unbelievable how this uh, this entity actually did run to the upside from basically call it about forty dollars, got up to eighty five, pulled back recently and then started to move it again. And today it was up there right around that seventy seven level. I just think that when you look at crude, it tells you so much about inflation. It tells you a lot about the demands and what people are doing in the rest of the world. And the fact that they cut back on CapEx a few years ago and now when you look at the demand and the supply, it's a much different story than it was several years ago. So because of that, Mel, I think going into 2022, it's going to be very interesting. I'm projecting right now that it maybe gets all the way towards uh, 120, but it probably closes out the year somewhere in the triple digits. I'd, I'd put it right around about 100. Really? Um, would that be bad or good for, for the economy, Bonoin? I mean, it's good because it means that economic activity is back, but it could be a tax on the consumer and corporations. Yeah, I think triple-digit oil is going to be tough to sustain there for the consumer, or just generally speaking. You know, we just had the release of FSR just to abate that very thing. So um, I I believe the bullish thesis. I think the days of triple-digit oil back in uh, the early uh, 2008 or 2007 area, maybe it's 2005, um, I I, I think those are times past. But I do think from an industrial production standpoint, it is setting up positively. Would you be long energy stocks? Grasso, going into next year. No. no. Why? Do you want me? Do you, should I give you my? Should I give you my chart? Or are we still talking energy? No, I want right to get your take on energy. Oh, okay, all right. Let's. You know what? It's my first day back. I've been gone for a week. You do whatever you want. Okay, go ahead, okay. Grasso. Go ahead. What do you want to do? What you want your okay. chart? So, you want to so, give your opinion? So, you want to answer my question? Oh, what do you want to do? So the. So the only the only reason why why I said that is not to be difficult, although I do enjoy being difficult. It's not to be difficult. It's that it's that Pete went with the commodity. I'm going with the with the subsector. So I'm going with the XLE for a lot of the same reasons that Pete said. But just think about it. What's the most important thing next year? The Fed. How do we gauge if the Fed is successful or not successful? Inflation. How do we gauge inflation? Food and energy. So with the XLE for me is going to decide on whether or not 
you're going to have a problem for the consumer. So you, so, so Pete gave his estimate of where he thinks WTI crude is going to be at the end of the year. I'm going to take the other side of that. I think it's going to be at 65 or lower. And the reason why I give that range is that, first of all, it's been in a range between 65 and 85. And I, I think, uh, to Bonowin's point, I don't think the economy or the government, the federal government, can handle above 100. And why do I say that? It's because politically we're probably going to see the House flip and the Senate flip, and then the president's hands are going to be quasi-tied. He can't run on four years from now. You can't run on energy prices being above 100. So I do believe that it's in his best interest for it to be lower. So would I invest in, in energy stocks? No, I wouldn't. And the reason for that is, is we've seen the best days for energy. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to be uh, a parabolic or hyperbolic or whatever the word is. Uh, you'll, you'll correct me on that or give me a better word. But the XLE has done nothing for, for five years. So for five years, the XLE has not been a great investment. It's only been a great investment this year. And I think inflation... Oh is really transitory, even mm-hmm. though it's a little longer lasting than we all had hoped. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the time frame, right, Guy? And it's all in the setup in terms of how many people were invested in oil going into a year. And it's all about where energy companies have been over the past several years in terms of investment, to Pete's point. Guy, so would you be long XLE going into next year? Yes, I, and I'm sorry I'm late to this dance. I'm like Rita Moreno in West Side Story, but at least she got there, at least I got here. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think crude's going significantly higher. And I hear what Steve is saying. I mean, politically, nobody wants it to happen. Quite frankly, I guess as citizens, we don't either. But I think it's a foregone conclusion. Look, the crude move to the downside in uh, that Friday after Thanksgiving was twofold. Obviously, the variant was one, and then the SPR release was two. But I think both those cats are out of the bag. And I think crude is going to continue the trajectory higher. So I'm with Pete. If Pete thinks crude is going higher, I'm absolutely with him. And I think you want to be in a lot of these levered names. And last night, Mel, uh-huh. uh, we had somebody on that talked about two of the names that Pete talks about all the time. And, and one of them was Williams, I believe. And the other, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, why, I'm losing the name. I apologize. But it was another energy company that you've power pitched a number of times. So I, I think you want to be in energy in 2022. All right. Um, we want to move to the next chart. Um, and since Guy was late, he's going to go last. Uh, Bonowin, what is, what's your chart that you're watching? <laughs> Sorry, Guy. Um, I'm looking at Bitcoin and gold. And, uh, you know, early on, you really saw a lot of divergence between these two uh, asset classes. And as time has gone, and as Bitcoin and other uh, crypto type of names have become more ubiquitous, You've seen these. You've seen that correlation strengthen. And for me, what this says is that not only is Bitcoin more universally adopted, but it's being kind of used as a nouveau store of wealth. And we're talking about where is growth going to come from in the next year, two years, five years. And we may need to look outside of what our traditional scope has been and really look to this new um, universe of, of NFTs and metaverse and names are going to be correlated there. So, you know, I think it's speaking to maybe a a somewhat of a changing of a guard or at least a new pocket of upside potential. And speaking of crypto, we'll have much more on crypto at six o'clock, crypto night in America. So you want to stay tuned for that. Um, Pete Nigerian, where are you on Bitcoin and some of the other, you know, maybe an altcoin or token for 2022? Where do you see the opportunity? Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I do think there's upside there. As a matter of fact, I listen very carefully whenever Tom Lee's talking because I really do respect him a lot, Mel, and I think you guys do as well. He's been on the air a long time, and he was one of the first macro guys to really embrace the whole Bitcoin world, the cryptocurrency world. And because of that, I think he has the knowledge. He's got a little bit more knowledge than the others, and he's got a little bit more history. He was looking for 100000 this year. Did it happen? Absolutely not. Did it come close? Well, it got relatively close. We got up into the 60000 range. I do think, and he spoke just not too long ago with us at, at the Rebellion, and he was talking about he thinks it's going to be 100000 before you can blink, and it's going to go a lot higher than that. That alone tells me what his uh, the, the thoughts, obviously, on Bitcoin. But I think cryptocurrency itself will continue to see more and more of an adoption. And it's something that everybody, uh, you know, originally, remember, it was the Jamie Diamonds of the world and others that pushed Sorry so hard against Pete. it. We've got but some breaking news. We want to get to Brian Sullivan, who's got the uh, verdict in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Brian. Yeah, Melissa, thank you very much. And Ghislaine Maxwell, the late Jeffrey Epstein's associate girlfriend friend has been found guilty on five of the six federal charges against her in a court of law. There were six counts against Jelaine Maxwell and counts one, conspiracy to entice individuals under the age of 17 to travel to engage in a sexual activity. Guilty, guilty on counts three, four, five, and six, just not on count two. The big count is count five, and that is conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of individuals under the age of 18. That charge alone can be up to 40 years in prison, 5 to 10 for the other charges. So Ghislaine Maxwell, formerly with Jeffrey Epstein, has been found guilty in five of the six federal charges against her in a Manhattan court. Melissa, if, can, if upheld, unless she appeals, she is looking at likely decades in prison. Ghislaine Maxwell is 59 years old, guilty in five of the six federal charges against her. All right. Thanks so much, Brian Sullivan, for that news update. Um, Pete, I'll go, quickly go back to you just so you can finish your thought. I'm going to take issue with your math, though. 60K is not that close to 100K, but go on. Go on. Well, con <laughs> considering where it started, Mel, but anyway, starting the year, I'm saying it, got, it made a really nice move to the upside. I just think that we'll see more and more embracing of cryptocurrency, not just Bitcoin, so many others. And you mentioned tokens, everything else. I think we're going to see more of that into the future. We're already seeing that being adopted in a lot of different other categories in the financial world. So because of that, I think it's going to be the currency that people will more often than not be moving towards. And because of that, I think it goes a lot higher. Last but not least, Guy Adami, what is your most important chart for 2022? Well, I believe we, I love this game, by the way. I think it's going to be the 210 spread, which everybody <laughs> seems to be talking about now. That's something we haven't talked about seemingly for the last 18 months, but it's back on the forefront. And that move in two year from 20 basis points to about 80 basis points in a month and a half, two months is historic in a word. And I think that's going to continue to ramp higher. It's just a question what happens in the back end of the curve, the 10 year. I thought we'd see 2% by the end of the year. That was wrong as well. But I think we can continue to ratchet higher. And I'm going to throw it out there. I think by the spring, this 210 spread was probably about, what, 70, 75 basis points. It's going to be anywhere around 25 to 30. And I think it's going to be in the mm. form of sort of 1.4% 1.75 in the 10 year. We'll see. But I think that's what you have to watch early in 2022. Yeah. Implications on the financials trade, Steve. Yeah, well, I, I, I sort of agree with Rita on his uh, 210s uh, spread analysis <laughs> there. But I, I, would, I would say that, that that implication would be negative for the financials. And, and I have a value, uh, you know, a couple of names in my portfolio that I'm hoping for 
that spread to really to really ramp and to really widen out. And I'm hoping for rates to increase, not to an in, uh, you know not uh, to a tolerable level for the markets. But the problem I'm seeing is that, to Guy's point, that 10-year can't get out of its own way. So maybe that's indicative of the market sniffing out lower growth in the future. I hope Pete breaks out in West Side Story, some sort of song at some point this hour. There's still time. Um, meantime, let's move on. We've got to get to this developing story on Biogen that we've been following. The stock soaring and reports that Samsung Group is in talks to buy the company for more than $42 billion. The reports sending not just Biogen, but the entire IBB Nasdaq Biotech ETF into the green today. Joining us now on the Fast Line, Oppenheimer's Jared Holtz. Jared, great to have you with us. What's your take on this report? Melissa, thanks for having me. Happy holidays. I think there's, you know, obviously, um, you know, some support for it um, from the street, the market giving the stock a bunch of credit this afternoon. The, the timing is a little bit off. You know, the healthcare community usually looks for these deal announcements right around the beginning of January into some broker conferences. So a couple of days early, maybe. Um, but it's very reminiscent if the deal happens of, you know, Celgene, Allergan, and Alexion of, you know, the past several years where these large cap biotech companies trading at very, very low multiples get taken out. Who would be next? I mean, we saw not just Biogen go higher, as we had mentioned. So who is a logical next sort of candidate if Biogen is taken out? It's so difficult. There aren't that many large cap biotechs left. I think, you know, I look at Vertex and Biomarin as, you know, potential takeout candidates. They've been mentioned or speculated in the past, given their size and, and the pipelines and drugs on the market. But those two, given where they're trading now, do make some sense. And there, there's hundreds of billions, probably close to $500 billion worth of, you know, M&A firepower from large cap pharma companies to do something. So those two resonate. Horizon Pharma, HZMP is another one that investors continue to talk about as a possible one. And, you know, countless others in the public and, and private realm in biotech that are smaller. It's interesting. Over in June, we saw Biogen, and you know this, traded north of $450 on the back of that Alzheimer's news, which was historic. We talked about it on the show, I remember, the day. I would imagine, maybe you can push back on this one. I think if Biogen were to get bought for $42 billion, I think that's just way too cheap, given the potential upside they still have. I, oh, I agree with you fully. I think what's going to have to happen here. Um, in order for Biogen shareholders to feel like they're getting any sort of value in the company um, in the same right would be some sort of CBR or carve-out for future Alzheimer's drug development and, and clinical trial data, which we are going to have in the second half of next year, roughly. So if there can be a carve-out of value, another you know, $50, $100 a share, whatever um, it winds up being, that could be a kicker that gets this thing done. But clearly, I agree. I agree fully. The you know the price paid now is a far cry from the highs we saw in that news. Jared, you mentioned the enormous firepower that uh, big cap pharma has in terms of the ability, the arsenal to make deals. Um, would you be an investor in say the XBI, some of the smaller names, just because you, as you had mentioned, the the bigger targets are there aren't too many out there. I think so. This has been the most frustrating trade. Um, for healthcare investors this year, by far, I think, um, myself included, um, just sort of like realizing how poor this, the sector could do versus the market. And there's been a decent amount of news, including M&A. We've had, you know, half a dozen 
uh, takeouts announced just in the second half of the year. I would be. The, the one thing that gives me pause, and I've commented on it a few times, is just this investment cycle in, in private biotech, which I think has taken a lot of capital out of the public arena and into these privately held companies. That's the one thing I'm kind of looking at um, and the one thing that makes me a little, little bit hesitant, but longer term for sure. I think the XBI here uh, is a great trade. Jared, great to get your thoughts. Thanks so much, and Happy New Year to you. Hey, you too. Thank you. Jared Holtz. Uh, Pete, are you an investor in buy? I mean, as Jared mentioned, it's been a miserable, miserable year. Until yeah. today, it was, in, it was negative. Yeah, it's unbelievable, especially when you look at the pipelines. They've got 30 new drugs coming out. They've got nine in final, three, third stage. I mean, it's just unbelievable, Mel. And when you look at this company and where it's trading, and Guy was mentioning being north of 450, and this is after a big jump today, that the fact that it even got over 250. So I think they'd be stealing this one. I think there's a lot of great names out there still that could make some acquisitions. But I think they've been very, very smart and tactical, the fact that they've been attacking the private sector. It's, you know, that is the way to go. And that's been kind of the end around around a lot of these various companies where they're paying less to get something very, very close to what we're seeing that's already on the public market. Guy, it sounds like you think Biogen is, is fairly valued to cheap at this point point. What do you what do you like in it? I mean, it just had to slash the price on the Alzheimer's drug in order to, to help insurance companies say, you know, what, we might pay for this thing. No, I understand that. But I think they got way too much taken out of the stock in terms of Pete. Pete's spot on. I mean, there's more than just an Alzheimer's name here. And I think the market um, I think the market punished them way too much in terms of that move from 450 down the levels we recently saw. So and you see the upside. Alzheimer's, as everybody knows, that's the holy grail right now for biotech and somebody figures it out and Biogen's about as close as anybody, I think a $42 billion price tag is probably half of what it should be trading. So if there is a carve out on the back of that news as mentioned, that makes sense. But just to do it as a straight deal here does not make any mm. sense at all to me. All right, coming up, is the fintech hype fading? Investors flocking to some old favorites as a new generation of fintech stall out. So who is best positioned for the future? The details next. Plus, it is time for CNBC's quarterly stock report. Your most pressing market questions answered. But where do our traders stand? We'll find out when Fast Money returns. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Fast Money. As we get ready to ring in a new year, it's out with the new and in with the old for fintech investors. Deidre Bosa is here to explain. Debo. There was so much hype, Melissa, over fintech trends this year from buy now, pay later, crypto, of course, digital payments, the rise of the retail investor. It just wasn't enough, though, to sustain valuations. And some of the hottest names in the space, Robinhood, Coinbase, Affirm, SoFi, they're all down double digits over the last month, while the incumbents, Visa and MasterCard, those are each up more than 10% in the same time frame. Investors, they were and have been really excited about that young, active user base of the upstarts. But when it comes down to it, Robinhood still largely relies on its users to trade on big, often meme stock events. Coinbase still pretty tied to crypto prices. Neither have been all that successful yet in cross-selling products. Even a SoFi, which has had more success in upselling or cross-selling, it has seen its shares tumble nearly 50% from its 52-week high. Dan Dolov on Tech Check earlier today, he talked about how real lasting disruption in the fintech space, that's going to take time. So the thinking for now could be that the legacy players like Visa and MasterCard, they're going to continue to benefit from old trends resurging like cross-border transactions. Longer term, though, guys, this could be an opportunity for some investors like Kathy Wood, who believe that technology, crypto, decentralization 
will ultimately disrupt those older models. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa. Bonwin, where do you stand on some of these uh, quote-unquote old versus new? There's a lot of crossover, and I think that almost every financial institution these days needs to find its own way to becoming a fintech company if it hasn't done so already. But which, which one would you like to invest in? Yeah, we talked about this before, and um, <clears throat> my posture really hasn't changed. I don't think it's a, an all-or-none approach. I think in the short term, you know, as a return to somewhat of, of normalcy, you know, the in-person transactions bode well for your traditional players. But I think as uh, these alternative, as I said before, Metaverse or even, you know, uh, SoFi in terms of their disruption, in terms of the, um, the student loan market, I think that you're going to see uh, traditional players, if for no other reason, as a short interest, you know, kind of climbs and the stock prices fall, these are still acquisition targets in and of their own right. So I still think it's a bit of a mixture there. Um, you know, I, I mentioned AXP earlier. I think it sets up, you know, in the short term. But I also wouldn't shy away uh, from names like FISV. I, I think that's another vertically integrated broad space. I think it's got like three buckets where they've get, got getting about 30 to 35 percent of the revenue in each one of those. So I think they're, you know, it's not an all or none approach. Where would you want to be positioned into 2022, Grasso? And I ask it in that way, because even though we're comparing it on a month to date basis and Visa and MasterCard look grand uh, in the past month for the year, they're underperformers versus the overall markets. I mean, it's been a tough year for these two. It feels like this is definitely year-end window dressing uh, to me where you see that sell of a firm and you see the buy of MasterCard and Visa. By the way, MasterCard and Visa are flat year-to-date, but uh, to, to Bonowin's point, AXP American Express up 35%. Buy now, pay later takes a chunk out of debit, but not so much credit. So I think that's what we were seeing uh, the, during the whole year. And AXP was not hit uh, it, it was up 4% in the last month as well. So I would be positioned, I think you're getting a discount in a firm. I think you're able to buy that going into, uh, into January. I think that one will perform. And I think AXP will continue to outperform. And then if you get that corporate travel, eventually that's got to come back. American Express is the corporate card of corporations. I think that's the one you want to stay invested in. Yeah, just when things started to pick up, they went down again. Um, Guy, where would you where would you be? I don't know if it qualifies as um, fintech, but I think PayPal here is too cheap. I think it's building the base around this 180, 185 level. If you go back and look, this is sort of where we took off from, I think, in the fall of 20. But I think SoFi you know, this is the third time now you're going from 14 to 25, 14 to 25. Well, here we are at 14 again. And I just think this is too cheap here. I think part, one of the reasons might be SPACs are clearly out of favor, and I think they get lumped into that category. But I think Anthony Noto has much better days ahead, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was an acquisition target of a major bank and then Anthony subsequently running whatever bank that is. So I think so far at $14.5 is just too cheap. Pete, didn't you pitch PayPal recently? Yeah, I did. And, and I love this one. I bought this one uh, not too terribly long ago at the very beginning of this month. And, and for all the reasons Guy pointed out, a lot of them, one of them also is they've embraced the whole crypto world with Wallet. And they've also made an acquisition years ago, but with Venmo. And they've, they've really been, I think, on the forefront. Were they too expensive? Absolutely. But down there at what, about a 180, 
they actually looked a lot better, and, and, and certainly I think there's plenty of upside, and now they can grow into a little, a little bit of what they've done because they continue to acquire, Mel. I love seeing that. American Express, the reason it's done so well versus Visa and MasterCard, in my opinion, way too cheap. When you look at the P.E. of that name versus Visa and Master, it's not even comparable. I think of those fintech names that you've got up there, though, I agree with Guy. I think SoFi, that 14 level, it's probably too cheap. I own some options in there right now. I think this is a stock that definitely can go higher and maybe bounce back up to those levels that Guy was just talking about where it's been twice before. All right. We are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. Oil's next move. The biggest risks. Should you invest in the metaverse? CNBC's quarterly stock report has the answers. But where do the traders stand? Plus, the S&P making some big gains this year, but not everyone's coming along for the ride. So how should you play this year's big laggards? There's more Fast Money coming up. from market risks to oil prices, CNBC out with its new stock survey. Over the past week, the network polling about 400 Wall Street pros who manage money. And now we're throwing out a few of the key uh, questions to the fast money traders for their view. So question number one here, what is your biggest market worry in 2022? So please take out your whiteboards and your markers, hopefully not permanent markers, and uh, write down your your (laughs) answers. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Mar- oh, Bonowin's still writing. What are you writing? Like a novel there? Uh, markers down. <laughs> we ran out of time. All right. So here's the big reveal. 53% said inflation worried them the most. 30% said it was the Fed rising rates at the wrong time. 17% replied COVID. So what? hold up your whiteboards. Nobody wrote inflation. All right. <laughs> but, Guy, that was interesting. So you think uh, geopolitical is a top issue. Is that what that means? Is geopolitical mean yeah, Russia, Grasso Ukraine, and China, Grasso. Taiwan? If that's geopolitical, Grasso, yes, when you say I geopol- do. I, I think, think people are underestimating it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get to question number two here. Can, can you... Okay, so now it's time to erase your whiteboards. <laughs> Where do you expect yes, the S&P 500 to end in, 22, in 2022? Um, please write a percentage down. Time starts now. You just had to write, you have to write a number down, guy. All right, markers down. <laughs> it's, it's taking a long time for you guys to write things. Um, Okay, so what, let's hold up your whiteboards. Let's start that way today, this, this time. All right, so all across the board, from 5% up, Guy, to 11% up from Pete, 55% said up less than 10%. Almost a fifth said up 10 to 20%. 13% see a losing year. So um, Steve and Bonwin seem to fall squarely into our survey here. Next question. This should be easy, but pay attention. It's multiple choice. Which tech area will outperform next year? I'm going to say the category slowly. Cloud, hardware, semis, or software? Cloud, hardware, semis, or software? Please write one down. Okay, markers down. Hold up your whiteboards, please. Hold them up. 
Okay, each of you pick something different. Now for the reveal, the majority said semis. Pete, you got that one. Coming in at 34%, it was followed by software, cloud, and hardware. Semis, interesting. All right, and um, here's the next question. This one's on oil. We sort of got Pete's prediction, but where will oil finish in 2022? I know it's very challenging to wipe, wipe the whiteboards off, write your answer down. We're asking a lot of the traders tonight. Okay. Where will oil finish in 2022? All right, there you go. Guy, hold, hold him up. 110, <laughs> high end of things. The official survey says 88% said under 80 bucks a barrel. 10% expect $100 or more. 2% said under 60. So Grasso, you uh, sort of, uh, you got that one right, according to the survey. Our last question here is, are you investing in the metaverse right now? Are you investing in the metaverse right now? Okay, write your answers down. Okay, markers down. Too fast for you, Guy? Hold up your whiteboards. No. (laughs) You're still writing. All right. (laughs) 47% says they are investing in the metaverse. 53% said no. So I guess seriously, um, which was Guy's answer on his whiteboard, would be in the no category. And yes, is two question marks with Grasso. That's an interesting response as well. All right. So coming up. (laughs) Coming up, the market has made some big moves higher this year, but not everyone's been so lucky. So we're digging into 2021's big laggards with a good old game of trade it or fade it. That is next, plus right on target. Shares of the retailer climbing over the past week. So what is behind this move? We've got the details coming your way. Get your trades to go with the Fast Money Podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The S&P 500 closing at a record high for the 70th time this year. But not all stocks can count themselves among the winners. Check out these names down double digits for the year. Alibaba, Beyond Meat, Pinterest, Las Vegas Sands, and Twitter all sitting out the rally. So those are this year's stock market duds. Let's hear from this year's stock market studs. Sorry, I laughed. AKA our panel. Are these names due for a turnaround? Let's play a game of trade it or fade it. Um, and we'll start off with Alibaba. I'm only laughing because I love all of you guys. Um, we start off with Alibaba cut in half this year. So, guys, is it a trade it or fade it? Trade it. Or how come we didn't do that part? I love that. I mean, we don't, all the fun stuff. I'll trade it. And I know, look, I get it. I see what's going on with the Chinese. They continue to crack down. Every headline that comes out knocks the stock down another $3. But since Halloween of 2020, boo, by the way, when the stock was north of 315, you've had uh, rallies on the upside in this, in this declining trend. So I think you're going to see another counter trend. I could see the stock trading up to the mid-130s. So I'm trading this sucker, Melms. Pete, what do you say? Trade it or fade it? I got to fade this one. Sorry, Guy. Usually Uh, you and I are on the same page. But in this particular case, I got to tell you, you know, when I look at Didi, I look at my old luck and coffee. I look at what's going on with the regulatory. You know what? When you see what what this country really does, you know, let's be honest. These guys are not capitalists and they have control. When you look at something like K-Web and you look at where it was at the highs at 101 and it drops all the way into the 30s, it gives you a little idea. Baba is the largest 
percentage in that particular ETF, an internet ETF. I just think there's a, too many problems. I think it's best to stay away. I think you got to fade this. All right. Next, let's get to a casino stock and a reopening play, which would be Las Vegas Sands. Bonwin, trade it or fade it? I'm trading this one. Uh, you know, I, I do prefer MGM, but I think, you know, the, the, the Omicron variant has proven to be more mild than thought. Starting to see pickup in traffic in Las Vegas. And speaking of the Chinese, there is still the possible upside of a favorable ruling in Macau. So I think sentiment is negative enough. I'm trading this one. Grasso, your take. I'm going to say fade it. So I believe uh, that Bonowin is actually right. On, on, uh, on, a, on a lot of his uh, you know, brief bullet points. The only thing that's, that's good about Las Vegas is it's sitting right at support right now. If that support breaks, though, you're looking at almost $10 to the downside. So that will, that will be horrific. And, and he mentioned Macau there. There's so many things that are out of their control. I would stick with MGM. You're really strong on the whiteboard tonight, Grasso. You, you use the whiteboard in the trade. I love it. I love it. I can't get, <laughs> I know, can't get away can't from, get enough it. from it. You're going to be at the dinner table. You're going to be holding that thing up. Pass this all, please. Um, let's move on to Beyond Meat Guy. Trade it or fade it. Trade it or fade it. Well, speaking of passing the salt, that's what you need. Listen, I'm not a fan of the product. You know what it does to my constitution. But if you look at where this stock is traded down to, you have a chance for a huge double bottom and a bounce. I think Piper just initiated the name. I think you're going to see some analysts upgrade it just on valuation alone. So I'm trading this sucker. Hardly a week goes by when we don't see hear about guys. See what you did there, double bottom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bonwin, trader to fade it. I better watch my back challenging the godfather here, but I'm fading beyond. I'm fading it. Um, listen, the fundamental and technical backdrop are just not good here. Burning cash, compressing margins, and they've tried over and over again to get these partnerships, and there's just been no follow-through. So while I do buy into the, the long-term technical trend or, uh, of alternative meats, Beyond Meat is just not performing. All right, and Pinterest, it's uh, more of an anti-social stock this year with its performance. Pete, what do you say, trade it or fade it? You know what, I think you got to trade this one. It's been knocked down, yes. It was trading at a ridiculous P.E. Now it's a little more tolerable at 34. I can see some of the growth. They're actually focusing on the international side of things, and they're getting far more efficient with their advertising. For those reasons, I think it's finally bottomed. I think it's ready to go to the upside. Grasso. This is a faded for me. So for, the, uh, for one month, one-month performance is down 11%, three months down 28%, year-to-date down 45%. PayPal kicked the tires. They weren't happy with the response or they weren't happy with the fundamentals, whatever it was. And usually you start to see these bids come in after a broken deal. We haven't seen any of that, and I think that the fundamentals do not support the stock going forward. All right, and speaking of fading, Kramer's Charitable Trust is trimming its position in AbbVie after the stock's big jump this month. You can read all about it in today's Investing Club newsletter. Sign up right now at cnbc.com slash investing club, or you can use a QR code on your screen. Coming up, Bullseye shares a target heading higher and adding to an impressive week for the retailer. We are breaking down that move next. Plus, financial follow-up, the XLF ETF outperforming the broader market this year, and options traders could be betting on even more gains in the new year. We've got the details when Fast Money returns. Coming up the top of the hour, CNBC special Crypto Night in America. We'll be breaking down what is next for the crypto trade as we head into the new year, all coming up right after Fast Money. All right, take a look at Target topping the tape today, up more than 1% at the close. Shares of the big box retailer have been outperforming lately, jumping more than 3% this week. Guy, you flagged the move. So what do you think's behind it? 
Yeah, Pete knows a lot more about this than I do, but I'll tell you, those double tops, I think, scared some technicians. If you go back and look, traded up to 268 again and failed. But I look at this, and I th- again, people back me up. At 16 and a half times next year's numbers, with the growth they're seeing, I think it's just too cheap. If you like Costco north of 40, and I understand they're different businesses, I think you got to like Target here. The stock has sold off significantly. I think it's found a home at these levels. And over the last couple of days, it's starting to make the move. I think you'll start to see analysts raise their price targets again. And I think Target in 2022 could be a name that continues that journey we saw at least into November. It is a Minnesota-based company, and by extension, it is one that Pete has fast-pitched in the past. So, Pete, (laughs) what do you make of this move, and what do you think uh, about it going to next year? Well, I'll tell you what's ironic about it, and Guy was just talking about when he saw that dip and then started to make that move. That's exactly, actually, last week on my birthday, I bought more shares of Target. I added to my position, and why did I do that? It made no sense to me whatsoever, Mel, that the, the stock got sold off as far as it did from 268 down. Now, I understand technicals mean something, so that's a, what I think was part of it. Also, some profit-taking in there. But when you look at the growth that they've got and the free, the free cash flow that they've got, and Guy was just talking about their PE, their forward PE, somewhere between 16 and 18, It's just way too cheap. This is a stock that I think deserves to be a lot higher, and margins continue to get better and better and better because it's no longer just the essentials that we started off during the pandemic. Now people are going more and more into the stores. And I'll tell you what, just about every other side of the digital business is absolutely crushing it. So I think this is a stock that was way oversold and has a lot more room to the upside now. Walmart or Target, Bonoan? Right now, Target. I mean, it's a few turns of leverage. I'm sorry, it's a few turns cheaper from a price mm-hmm. earnings multiple. So, I mean, it's just a pure catch-up play. Same thesis, cheaper. Yeah, Grasso. Or you, and then you, if you take it. A, yeah, go ahead. Bonwin. If if you if you take it a step further and you look at the options market, you can see that that is also kind of leading here. If you take a look at the uh, deck 29 478 calls, those were bought about 250,000 times. I mean, that that is a massive options bet. Gross, I'll let you go off the board, but stay in the lane of big box, please. <laughs> uh, I would be a buyer of Costco. Costco's chart uh, looks priceless to me. It's up 50% year to date, but has not given anything back in the last month or the last three months. I'd be a seller of Target. I'd be, I'll throw one to Pete. I'd be a buyer of TJX. And then I'll give you a wild card. <laughs> Ross Stores, R-O-S-T. <laughs> that one has been an underperformer. But this is one that's going to benefit when the supply chain unlocks. People have too much supply, and that's why it's been sold off, because they didn't have enough. That's the one you have to look at, R-O-S-T. It's a lot for off the board there, uh, Grasso, but that's fine. Uh, Coming up, financials are big this year, and that is options traders making some big deposits. Are there more gains ahead for this group? We've got the details next when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the XLF Financials ETF finishing the day almost dead flat. So why are we showing you this? (laughs) Well, the ETF is up more than 30 percent year to date. And One Options Whale just made a huge bet that 2022 will kick off with even more gains. Tony Zhang joined us to break down the action. Hey, Tony. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, XLF. This is the ETF where we saw some sizable bullish bets going into January expiration 
where today was a fairly quiet day because of the holidays, but bullish activity of calls outpaced puts about by a margin of 1.6 to 1. And one particular trade accounted for almost 10% of the total volume today, where a trader bought just shy of 10,000 contracts, 9,848 contracts of the January 39 and a half calls for about 62 cents. Just to understand this, this is a trader that's laying out about $600,000 in premium to control a notional value of about $38 million betting that financials will rise by at least 2% between now and the January expiration. A simple options bet to take a bullish bet for financials into next year. Pete, did you notice this? And I'm wondering if that's your interpretation of this trade. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And as a matter of fact, I did see that one. And we've had some some buying in individual names part, part of that XLF as well. We had some city buying just the other day. So there's, there seems to be a little bit of a theme here, Mel, where we're seeing a little bit more going out. And as a matter of fact, most everything else has been really short term. They've been actually going out a little bit further, getting into January, getting deeper into January, going all the way out to March when it was the Citigroup call buying from the other day. Out to March. That's interesting because that would uh, that could go out to possibly very close or including the Fed meeting guy. Yes. Yeah, I think Berkshire Hathaway is a big component of that. But J.P. Morgan's probably second. I'm with Pete. I think. The XLF, I think the all-time high was $40.80. We're right there. It's going to continue to grind higher. And I think City trading now, you know, either side of 73% of tangible book is just too cheap. I've thought that for a while, and it's gotten bludgeoned. But I think City's worth a look clearly in 2022. The yield curve stays kind of flat, um, Grasso. You want to be in financials? No, you don't want to be in financials. But... Uh, to Guy's point, Berkshire's, Berkshire's chart is the only chart that actually looks uh, uh, productive in the space right now. And it is the number one holding. It's 12% of the XLF. JP Morgan is the second at 10%. Every other chart looks like a series of lower highs to me. So if you want to be, if you forced to be in it, you, then, you, then you buy Berkshire straight out. But I think the XLF is probably the bet that that options trader is making is that rates, they, the uh, yield curve will, will steepen, and I don't think that's going to happen. Tony, if you're still there, do you see a lot of um, options bets on, on Berkshire? Is that the, the smaller, the baby Berkshires? Um, I haven't seen anything on Berkshire, but I did notice today we saw quite a bit on Bank of America in mm. addition to Citigroup. So from my perspective, you know, I certainly like picking individual stocks in this particular space. Bank of America and Wells Fargo are on the top of my list, um, but I haven't taken a look at Berkshire. Yeah, Bono, and what are your picks? I still like J.P. Morgan. I also like Morgan Stanley. I, I, I really think that they kind of hit the nail on the head and are still working through the integration of E-Trade um, and everything else. But I think once they get through that, I, I'd look out. I think there's upside there. All right. Tony, good to see you. Uh, we will see you on Friday. Friday, of course, being the full options action short show. You can catch that Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Spend New Year's Eve with us, or part of it at least. <laughs> it is time now for the final trade, so let us go around the horn. Steve Grasso. Apple's going to be my final trade. I've been long this thing forever, not as long as Pete's been long it. I think it's going to be big for AR, VR, hardware, but let me make it easy for the viewer. Apple, final trade. Again with the whiteboard. Can't take that thing away from you. Bono and Eisen. All this talk about rates, inflation, no talk about DXY, I think it's been ignored. Take a look at the dollar. Pete Najarian. I'm so convinced about oil and all the rest of it, I'm going to give you Devon Energy. As a matter of fact, we've seen more and more energy stocks returning into the unusual options that we monitor each and every day. 
I think there's a lot of different names, but I like the beta that you get out of Devin. It's a three beta, Mel, so that's why I wanted to have that stock going to the upside. Guy Dami. You know, Mel, some viewers want to know what your thoughts are. I know you, you said it on the Twitter. but I did. You know, is Aaron Rodgers going to stay in Green Bay, or do you think he goes to Pittsburgh I, I for a couple stay. years? I'm just curious what stay. you think. I said yeah, stay. It, you're so spot on. By the way, Pete would have been a great Tony in West Side Story. He probably was at one point. But what a lot of people don't know is the meeting between Riff and Bernardo was not in the local drugstore. It was actually in the Dollar Gen. DG going higher, Melms. I was wondering where that was going. All right, that does it for us here on Fast Money. Do not go anywhere, though. Crypto Night in America is coming up next. 